Support for WIPR's podcasts comes from Brightview Senior Living. Since 1999, Brightview has proudly served Greater Baltimore with vibrant, independent living, assisted living, memory care, and enhanced care. Find a community near you at brightviewseniorliving.com. I was there because I had one job to do, and that was to lead a sex cult. Let me tell you a little bit about uh, growing up in rural North Dakota. First of all, you have to just have this supreme self-reliance. Right? If it breaks, you have to fix it. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Stoop Storytelling Series podcast. I'm Laura Wexler. And I am Jessica Hinken. This week on the Stoop Storytelling Series podcast, porns and cults. <laughs> Did you say porns? <laughs> porns and cult. No, it's porn and, and cults. cults. Actually, we only are speaking of one cult. Yes. So porn and cult. Porn. I feel cult. like that's a great like room and board. <laughs> is it furniture? Porn and cult. Um, yeah, you heard it here first, there's folks. Two tales from two fine young people about their wholesome pursuit of good, clean fun. Okay, so this first storyteller, Lexi Mountain. Actually, both these storytellers shared their stories in a show we did in April called Never Have I Ever. So I guess you could say this one is Never Have I Ever played a cult leader in a independent movie in which I lived with all of the actors for a month in what seemed to be its own cult. So take a listen. So in July 2018, my mom dropped me off at a rehabbed farmhouse. It had been built in 1890. It had eight bedrooms. It was Thoroughly modernized, gorgeous lawn, gorgeous pond, view of the mountains. I was there because I had one job to do, and that was to lead a sex cult. (laughs) I was hired to be a wellness guru for a movie. We were making a movie, and I was... You know, I within days, I was meeting the rest of the crew. There was like 12 people. I was meeting my fellow castmates, my followers. There was seven of us, eight of us total. And I was, you know, swapping my T-shirts with wardrobe. I was trading my vintage shirts for these flowy dresses and getting my hair curled in the morning. And our group was unified in the commitment to harnessing the power of the female orgasm. And this was exemplified in our, in our jilling off ritual in which we would gather and then the males would pleasure the females. And in that moment, we would channel this energy and heal Mother Earth. And that was in the script. (laughs) So I knew about that part. We had the, the script itself was about 30 pages. We had a lot of character outlines. It was intended to be mostly improvised. I knew that I was excited about that. And, you know, it was, um, it was really surprising to find out that. I would be living as my character for the next three and a half weeks. I would be, while I was wearing her dresses, whether I was wearing her dresses or not, 
I would be Peggy and I would have to decide things for this, for seven other people who are asking me questions constantly about the rules. I don't really know how it happened, but I decided that nobody, no men, no men could have orgasms. Not allowed. Um, I, okay, so... I knew that Peggy had to be in charge of things, and I was surprised. I kind of okay. I kind of surprised even myself at my willingness to just kind of be a, a bit of an authoritarian. At one point in a crew meeting, I asked people not to poop in the bathroom that was right next to my bedroom because that smell just walked right in there, and. I can't believe that I suggested that the only place to poop was near other people's bedrooms. <laughs> like an insane person. And so, you know, during the day, I was giving character interviews, drinking coffee and smoking cigarettes, making paintings of vulvas and sitting on a rock for just hours on end, inventing places that I had been, like the Heaving Spiral bookstore and things like that, you know, like mapping out this huge constellation for this person, this leader. And at night, I was more scared than I had ever been in my life. So I've never been in a movie. I'd never been in a movie. I'd never, um, I'd never had to live as another person for that amount of time. And, um, uh, it was it was really terrifying, and I was also terrified that I was being kind of mean. I was bullied as a kid, and so the idea of bullying other people is horrifying to me. And the depth of my fear about the entire project and being this other person came to a real head when I found myself at the bottom of a gorge. Upstate New York has rocks and waterfalls that are like five stories high. And we had this one day off where they were like, you can take the bus. There was a bus. I had pictures of my face all over it. And you can take the bus and go to a swimming hole. And I thought, awesome, swimming hole. I get there, and it is a waterfall covered with people, wet people on wet rocks, just a wall of rock. And I am terrified of heights. I am so scared of heights that I am sitting in the pool of water thinking, would Peggy do this? Would a leader do this? Just crying, crying, crying. There are men in trees, six stories in the air, and they are just dropping like rocks into this water. There, no, no hesitation. And I'm thinking, you know, what if something happens? I'm in a movie. I should be really conservative about, I don't know, oh, my face. Who knows? And I'm like, just tears streaming down my face. I'm watching my co-stars jumping like, yes, jump. Jump for me. I can't jump. And right as I'm like, okay, maybe I'm going to do this. Like, probably not. But maybe I'm going to do this. But I don't know. And I'm crying. I hear, I hear, Nina's hurt. Nina's hurt. I look over and my co- like my fellow seeker is swimming and she's got a bloody lip, she's got blood all over her face. And then just, just like that, I looked to the top of the cliff and I said, get the boss, got everybody up, packed everything up, wrapped Nina in a little blanket, got her up the hill, took her to the hospital. It felt like a moment where I was like, okay, that is a thing. That is a thing I can do. It didn't, quite stave off the fear at night and cradling that fear 
in the last time that we had our ritual, I cried and cried and cried and cried. And it was... It was really, it was really, really intense. It was an intense time. And and then it ended. Then it was just over, you know? Um, And there was no moment in there where I could ask my fellow co-stars, you know, who were like trained method actors. One of them was a professional clown, like a certified mime. And and there was no point at which I could just, you know, ask... um, like, am I goddess enough? You know, like, how's the guru? Is it going okay? You know, and also you're not supposed to be insecure. You're a leader. There's no vulnerability there, especially if you're in a cult. And especially if you're in a cult that doesn't think it's a cult. So, you know, there was, there was, a, lot of, there was a lot of time where I just kind of felt this enormous, enormous void. And anyway, when it ended, I thought I ruined the movie. Like, I straight up thought that I had destroyed it. And I didn't know who I was for a couple months. It took me a long time to really be nice to myself as well. Like, to not think that I had destroyed something that I loved so much and that I had just done the best that I could, you know? The movie... The movie is out. The movie got made. Turns out it just takes a little bit of time for movies to come out, you know? You don't ruin the movie <laughs> single-handedly. So um, it's great that it came out, and I love to see it. It's called Adventures in Success. You can actually go to jillingoff.com, and now it's easy to talk about, but when I see the person in the movie, I just want to hug her. Like Even though it was four years ago, it feels like she was sort of a child version. You know, When we start out, things were like the child version of ourselves, and I just... I really want to. I really want to hug her, and I want to let her know, in that moment, that in that gorge of fear, that like it's okay because she had already jumped. So that's it. Thanks. All right, that's the great Lexi Mountain. She is she is a um, a Renaissance woman. She's a uh, actress and a musician and performance artist and. Um, you can stream the movie that she refers to in the story, Adventures in Success. It's available at <laughs> jillingoff.com. Which is hilarious <laughs> because she, as I was working with her on that story, she mentioned Jilling Off a number of times. And it, it really probably wasn't until the 20th time that I was, I was like, like, oh, okay, <laughs> got it. And now I really try to get it in, like, use it once a day, yeah. you know? Because it doesn't make like, people feel Like the teacher said, use a word three times and it's yours. <laughs> so that's how I do, that's what I do with new vocabulary. Thank you, Laura. Yes. Okay, so this next story is shared by Garrett Bladeau, who is really like a one-of-a-kind person. So he grew up on a farm in uh, North Dakota. And uh, as you'll hear, he um, had an interesting introduction to the world of software programming. And um, now he is one of the top uh, hackers, the top cybersecurity dudes, um, persons in the world. And he's just full of all the kinds of knowledge that will terrify you. So take a listen. In the late 1980s, my father came home from Radio Shack with this amazing box that said Tandy 1000. Um, 
So if you have, if you don't know what this is, this is a PC compatible uh, machine that you could bring to your home and you could have computing power, even in rural North Dakota. Um, this device uh, is about your phone that you have in your pocket right now is about a thousand times more powerful than this computer was. So keep that in mind. But most notably, it came with two books. The first one was How to Program C. The second was How to Program Assembly. So being in North Dakota and having a lot of time on my hands, I learned how to program by the age 12. Um, let me tell you a little bit about uh, growing up in rural North Dakota. First of all, you have to just have this supreme self-reliance. Right? If it breaks, you have to fix it. If you get stuck in the winter in your car, you have to get out. Right? Uh, so you have that. That's in, embedded in your DNA. The second part is I just had incredible curiosity and also a penchant for not following rules. So following that, a couple years go by since I've been 12 um, in my teenage years, uh, and I'm visiting my home in my hometown. My, my uh, uncle has a body shop. Um, and in many body shops in the early 90s, uh, there's these calendars with nudie girls on it. And this presented a problem for me. Uh, this problem was puberty. So I, I was like, I kind of like that. I would like to see more of that. How do I get that? Uh, so uh, in my hometown of 600 people, which I live 10 miles from, uh, there is one gas station at the time. It had pop and gas. That's it. No magazines that you could steal. No, no videos, no backroom, nothing, right? This is rural North Dakota. Uh, so um, I went home and I had to think about, on it. Luckily, uh, the North Dakota K-12 educational system provided us uh, amazing opportunities to get on this new thing called the Internet. Um, and so uh, the Internet at this time was mostly text-based. I had a 2800 baud modem. Uh, which allowed me to download things at 2K, 2 kilobytes per second. Um, and when you logged in to this service, you got to dial your local number, uh, and it would route you back to a server running on a university that was on the big pipe, right? Um, and we had two things. Email, which allowed you to talk to anyone in the world. Very exciting. And chat, which allowed you to talk to fellow North Dakota K-12 students. Less exciting. Um, so I approached it very scientifically, right? Knowing that, A, I wanted pornography. <laughs> two, B, I guess. Two and B. Um, the internet has pornography. Uh, Playboy and Penthouse have websites at this point in time. This is not normal, by the way. There's no other big things on the internet at the time. Number C... Jeez. Um, so if I'm on the internet and the email's on the internet and there's porn on the internet, I bet you I can get access to this porn through email somehow. Um, so that's real easy. Uh, first off, step one, uh, you hack the email client. Uh, you uh, put a thousand capital letter A's in the two uh, of your email and all of a sudden the thing just barfs. Uh, and, and it drops you into this thing called a shell, uh, which allowed me to have text-based access to this server. Ooh, this is fun. Uh, so what do you do here? Well, if you're a 14-year-old person that knows how to program uh, network computers, 
um, you write a a program that allows you to capture the administrator's password, Um, which I did, and that only took me a few days, and all of a sudden, I have the administrator's password. So step three, become the administrator, Um, which I also did. Uh, And at this point, now I have unfettered access to the internet. I can do whatever I want. Um, so I, I went out and I went to playboy.com. Again, text-based, right? No pictures, no nothing, text. Um, so I go out there and I realize there are pictures here. I can see them in the code. Um, it's kind of like the Matrix, right? The blonde brunette, but it, very nerdy. Um, and, uh, and so I'm looking at this and I figure out, okay, I don't need a login to get to the pictures, and they're all linked right here. So uh, I wrote another program that extracted every one of the images from the code, um, and then wrote another program that would go out and download every one of them to this server on the, on, at the university. <laughs> now, this presented a, a problem, right? Because now you have six kilobit access to the Internet from your house to this server, and you have uh, 100 megabytes of porn. You can do the math. I'm not, go- I'm not a mathematician. I'm a computer scientist. Uh, takes a while to get. Uh, so what I, I did was I wrote yet another program on my Tandy 1000, uh, which at 1.30 a.m., uh, my computer, I had to leave it on, it dialed this server. It ran all of those steps automatically. And then it started downloading them from the server to my house. Uh, And I stored those on my 16-megabyte hard drive. Um, Again, all text-based. So uh, that's happening. And at 4.30, it hung up because Dad gets up for chores at 5 a.m. And you can't have the phone, like, uh, talking on the modem at that point. So uh, this this works stellar. I got all of this stuff. Uh, Now what do I do with it? Because I can't actually look at the pictures. Uh, So I have a dot matrix printer. Uh, If you're not familiar with that, some of you are younger, I know. Uh, This is a line printer that goes, and it's only black and white, not grayscale, not sepia tone, black or white. So I would print out these pictures, uh, and it was really thrilling because you never knew what you were going to get. Right? Oh, here it comes. I think that's a boob. Um, so uh, I took these to school in my trapper keeper. Um, bartered with my friends. It's like the, you know, the nerd way of how to win friends and influence people. Um, we'll fast forward a little bit, right? So four years later, I'm actually at this same university, uh, going to school now to get my computer science degree. And I'm a horrible student. Uh, but what I am good at is breaking computers. Uh, and so while I was on the university network, I uh, got all of the administrator passwords again. Um, and I decided in this point to be a good person. So I went to the IT department and I said, are you aware that I can just get all this? And they said, no, don't do that. You want a job. Um, and so I became a full-time student and a full-time employee of the university managing that exact same server that still had all of my porn and programs on it. Um, 
I neglected to actually patch that software or let uh, basically stop people from doing the exact same thing uh, because mostly I wanted to see if anyone else did it. And if so, they could replace me in my job at North Dakota. Thank you. So little I mean, this story is definitely evidence for the um, the theory that all great technology starts off in pornography. That's true. All technological leaps start get their start in porn. Yeah. Garrett is, yeah. I just love, like, the dot matrix, you know, <laughs> and it's like, oh, is that a boob? Oh, is that, what is that? What is that? What is, and then that he's taking them in a binder to school. It's so And, and then the idea that he becomes the boss. Yeah, I feel like this is, yeah, this is oh, like. Oh, no, 90s. It's 90s. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's like porn games instead of <laughs> war games, you know. Well, that's 80s. Yeah, anyway, we don't need to get yeah. into the, the decades, but. It's uh, old-timey. How about we say that? It's certainly not a modern way to access what no, he's trying to no. access. No, it's, it's more contemporary with how you and I – actually, he's a little younger than us. So, yeah. But um, you and I were not doing such things in high school. No. I mean, I just didn't have that kind of gumption. I didn't have that kind of interest. The whole idea of porn is just incredibly weird to me. It's, it continues to be. Mm. Anyway, don't we need to go down that rabbit don't. hole. Um, <laughs> so these are our stories, one about a cult – that it has sex in it also. Oh, uh, yeah. And one about a uh, fine young fellow breaking into yeah. the university internet to get what he needed. And should you think that the stoop is, you know, maybe a little bit blue in general, I, I would not say so. I would just say that we are open to true personal stories of all. Uh, full buffet. Yeah, full buffet. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes there's just an amuse-bouche that you just weren't ready for. All right, there. That is us for this week. We will be back again with more stories from the stoop. Bye.